0: It never comes across as, like, mean or malicious. It's always part of the show, part of the, you know what I mean? It's, it's always just like,
1: fuck! <laughs> hey there, I'm Jordan. And I'm Nick. We're just two regular guys who love talking about film. And now we'd like to talk to you. We decided to break down our discussions into three parts. Because everyone loves a gimmick. We discuss our expectations for a film before we watch it. That's take one. We give our immediate thoughts following the film. That's take two. And finally, we research the film at length to prepare for an informed and in-depth discussion. And that's take three. So if you love film even half as much as we do, join in on the conversation. This is Take Three, a movie podcast. Take one. Good job. So we were just discussing intros to this and he was like, well, I could talk about my day. And then I realized, no, I'm going to um, commandeer this intro. I don't I feel like we mentioned this in season one. I just moved into a new place and we just recorded something before this and had to clap. And I was like, "Damn, that's a really good clap. And then I clapped again just now. And the acoustics in this bedroom, make for a really good clap. We're going to have some great claps this season. I'm glad. I'm, I'm excited for the claps. I'm looking
0: forward to that for <laughs> sure. So he claps so that we can sync up our, because we're in different places. So we can sync up our audio. I just line our two, you know, the spikes in our waveforms up. Right. So that our two files can get synced up more easily. He's
1: always been very proud of his claps, but this is the most proud I've ever seen you. So that's good. I just, cause like some of them are, not so good and some of them are like really good and the two claps that we just had like you can hear that clap in this room so yeah that's good now you can talk about your day
0: (laughs) yeah what i was gonna say is that i got pulled over today for i okay so i thought my blinker was out because you know how when you go to, to turn your signal on in your car and it starts like clicking like, really quickly. Like, it starts it, it, blinking a little bit quicker to, like, let you know that something's... Yeah, it blinks, like, twice as fast, Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if that's for all cars, but it's for the majority of the ones that I've driven, at least. I thought I was like, okay, I will get my blinker fixed. We have mechanic friends. We will definitely get a fix. And so I'm driving down the road today, and a cop is in front of me, and he pulls over and lets me get in front of him. And I'm just like, okay, I know my blinker's not working, but... I just won't, I just won't turn my signal on. You know, I I don't have to turn left, which is my left signal. And I go up and I'm like stopping really nicely, slowly. I'm going like right at the speed limit. I'm stopping at the stop signs. I'm not, you know, (laughs) I'm not like disobeying any of the rules or whatever. And I slow down at this stop sign and his lights turn on. And I'm like, I didn't blink. What did I do? And I'm like looking at my, (laughs) um, my registration and that's good. And like, everything I'm like what did I do you know so I pull over and he comes up and he's like your brake light is out too I'm like I never thought of that like I, it didn't occur to me that that also might be broken as well so
1: um, I got yeah. a warning thankfully but it uh it, it baffles me that he like was in front of you and somehow knew that your backlight was out I like how did that yeah happen? it was weird that it's make like any he literally only let me go in front of him
0: I mean there, I don't think that there were a like it, he just pulled over, let me go. I, I have no idea. I, I genuinely, maybe he just. Uh, I mean, it was a fortuitous turn of events because you know he he was a compassionate cop that didn't let me, or that didn't give me a ticket because my brake light was out. I don't. <laughs> I don't know how people are supposed to know that their brake lights are out.
1: Like especially. Yeah. I, well, I think you would get pulled out. Like, <laughs>
0: yeah, someone yeah, have like, to let you know.
1: Yeah. Well that was good. It was it was
0: good. I am and my brake light is now fixed. So Well good. Oh my god. Uh we're
1: <laughs> we're doing the movie it. <laughs> <laughs> that was long. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. I know. I'm glad everything's okay. But I this is my second favorite movie of all time and I could not be more thrilled to cover it. Yes.
0: It's a great movie. And I want to say that it's a great book. I have a lot of problems. This is the (laughs) longest book I've ever read. And I think as of right now, it's the longest book you've ever read too. He's, um, he's reading the stand now, which I think is terrifying, which is even um,
1: longer. I think it's, it's, I think it's his longest book. Stephen King's longest book is the stand. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah.
0: That makes sense. But, but it is, is super long as well. And We were super excited about this first movie coming out. And now when this episode gets released, the uh, chapter two, it it part two, is it it chapter two or it part two?
1: I think the end of it part, the end of it, chapter one said chapter one. I think it's chapter. I'm pretty sure it's chapter.
0: The sequel comes out very soon. So um, we're looking forward to seeing that. And this is a perfect time to discuss this movie. What do you like about this movie?
1: I have probably brought this up in the podcast before. I have a problem with today's horror movies. There's a lot of tropes that are recycled and I, I just I don't like people who rely on jump scares. I don't like people who rely on tropes like I can't even think of any specific ones, but I feel like there are a lot of movies that do that nowadays. I'm not going to point out which ones I accuse of being guilty of this, but he's basically talking about every
0: other Warner Brothers horror movie. (laughs) I'm not going to bring up the
1: director, but I feel like he's talking about James Wan. (laughs) I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I do like a few James Wan movies. I just feel like sometimes they get very predictable. You know exactly when the jump is coming. I just feel like Andy Muschietti, who's the director of this, is so unique. Uh, Yes, there are jump scares, but I think they're crafted in a way that we haven't really seen before. And I feel like I'm alone in that because I feel like when this movie came out, there were a lot of people claiming that this movie was not scary, that it did not scare them. I feel like you were one of them.
0: I will say that, like, I was going in expecting this movie to be absolutely, like, the most terrifying movie I've ever seen. I'm not afraid of clowns. I'm not afraid of lepers. You know, I I, like, the the things that these people are afraid of, I'm not. So it didn't necessarily, like, shake me to my core like I thought it could. Um, However, it definitely startled me. Anybody who tells you that, like, oh, jump scares are, you know... Like you don't need jump scares. That is like what, like the the idea of startling someone, without, like, like without that, like, I I don't know. There aren't there aren't. I don't think that there are. I can't think of a single horror movie that does not have that. Like, does Saw the, have the, the jump scares? Merit,
1: the merit that they have in them. Does what? Does Saw have jump scares? Yes. I feel like Absolutely. like does Final Destination have jump scares? Here's the thing. Absolutely with movies I, like I don't see that there are good ones and bad ones is what I mean. Okay, sure. Yes, yes, I'll agree with that. But I think like movies that are supernatural, Annabelle, The Nun, The Conjuring, these movies. I feel like that is sort of it's only Yeah, a lot of those movies go in thinking
0: that the the way to get the audience from point A to point B is setting up this scenario which has become extremely noticeable and common to us who are movie watchers we it's like extremely recognizable and it does not have the same effect on us jump scares you know maybe when we were younger or, or we we had not seen as many movies were more effective nowadays we definitely are more savvy to it and what it has that those other movies don't have is seven characters that you actually grow to feel very attached to because of their uh of their chemistry together and you are not only dreading the set pieces and the the fact that um that Pennywise is so scary and the jump scares and all that stuff you're you know you're not only like on the edge of your seat for that it's you don't want to see these characters get hurt or risk their lives or die or – you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so even like Georgie, who's like barely in the movie, Jackson Robert Scott, the who's the actor who plays him, you don't really have a lot of time with him. But these kids are so magnetic that you – I mean obviously nobody wants to see kids die, but like you – you automatically get this attachment. You see the love he has for his brother. And in turn, it's what fuels Bill's desire to want to find him throughout the rest of the movie. Like that chemistry that they're able to really just have in that one scene, you know, Yeah. Uh, at the beginning is, is powerful. What I don't think makes this movie unique is like a lack of jump scares. There are jump scares in this movie, but they are right, right. really, really well done jump scares right. surrounded by like a story about, kids coming of age and there it's I, I enjoy that part way more than I enjoy anything with Pennywise on screen
1: yeah yeah I think first of all Penny Pennywise is terrifying I think that he like the just the overall design of him is great I think a lot of this discussion is probably best served in take two like I don't want to spend all of take one just kind of discussing the movie because i we both have already seen it before i've seen it several times actually i think this was the movie that i saw most in theaters i think i went like four times to see this in theaters you and i have seen it twice together yeah yeah i just i love this movie i i think this whole jump scare debate and what makes a horror movie kind of discussion i think we will save for take two and take three but i know that um i'm thrilled to watch this again it's coming at a perfect time I cannot wait for part two I I've waited so long for this as soon as this the first one came out I was like okay well I need I need the second half of this I was sort of already planning out who I wanted to play um, the kids as grown-ups I just I could not be more excited about this movie and I know that we've tried watching the miniseries not as good good, which is going to upset some people. I just don't think it holds up today because I had not seen it when it came out. If it offends you for me to say that the miniseries is a heap of garbage, I apologize <laughs> because it
0: is. It's literally like only saving grace is a performance by Tim Curry, who is a legend. Yeah. But if he was yeah, not yeah, Tim yeah. Curry, I uh, I, I mean, sure, he's scary, but like in a molester kind of way, like a pedophile kind of way versus this new Pennywise, Bill Skarsgård, to me, feels otherworldly. This uh, Pennywise in in the... I feel like in one way or another, we have had this discussion on this show. I don't even remember where. But to me, it just feels like Tim Curry's rendition not only doesn't necessarily feel like Pennywise from the book, but it also doesn't hold up to me. Like The, the entire story is like boring it has shit child actors like I know that some <laughs> of them grew up to do to, to be really like you know successful and I know that there are adult actors in it who are also successful I just I I'm not a fan of it this movie blew it out of the water yeah I cannot imagine that like James McAvoy and Bill Hader and Jessica Chastain and this powerhouse group of people that they got to be the, the adult losers are not going to knock it out of the park. Like, sure. I remember thinking, like, oh, this is really cool that they're not just combining it into one movie. Like, I knew that the miniseries was really long so that, you know, and and they go back and forth. This movie, I like the fact that it's more of, like, a linear, like, this is the kids and this is the adults. And I know the kids are in this next movie. Um, but yeah, you know what I yeah. mean? I, I like the idea mm-hmm. that it wasn't, like, back and forth.
1: Yeah, so Annie Muschietti, who directed this first one, he he did uh was it Mama? Yeah. Yeah. That was his first one. Yeah. Also with Jessica Chastain. Yes, which whom I love. Um he's it's so clear that he has a style he like his horror is very stylistic and i think it's so successful i call it the the Muschietti twitch um and if you know Ma, if you've seen mama you know what i'm talking about and if i feel like if you've seen the trailer for it part two you also know what i'm talking about with the, the interesting with the the old woman that was in uh bev's old apartment yeah. that's just it's so creepy and it like i feel like it does come off kind of silly to some people but i think in the right context and in the right circumstances It's fucking terrifying, and uh, he's very quickly become one of my favorite directors. And I cannot wait to see what he comes up with next. And I cannot wait to see part two. I am like so, 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 so excited for part two. Like I don't think I've been more excited about a movie ever, to be honest. Like it part one, second favorite movie of all time. Like it, it has to top this in some way. If it doesn't, I'm going to be so let down. But if, if according to the trailers and according to some of the articles that I've seen for this new movie, it's going to be disturbing and terrifying, which I like it has to be. And I'm I'm so excited for it. Yeah. Like, I, I know this is about part one, but like it's we're going to dive into this universe. Like I, it's it's inevitable. It yeah. has to happen. So well,
0: definitely. And like, OK, so here's my issue that I'm worried about with part two Having read the book, this first chapter of the story, this first part, part one of this story that we're about to do this podcast on, great. I literally love beginning, middle, and end of this part. Now, part two, the end of it, is like where I realized that I don't necessarily love this book.
1: Oh, yeah. uh,
0: Because it kind of goes off the rails. And I'm really hoping that it does not go off the rails in the sequel, because you know, if they're, you know, trying to stay close and have, you know, a faithful adaptation, there's some really crazy, ridiculous drug influenced shit in this <laughs> second part. And, yeah. you know, I do love Jessica Chastain. I am very excited. I love that they are friends in real life. He's friends with – um his sister and um, producing partner the three of them are like really good friends so that makes me happy that she's in it um but you know like this storyline is really the only variable that I'm <laughs> that I'm worried about because I think it's got a great cast
1: yeah I know exactly what you're talking about and I'm not gonna give it away for those who want to be surprised for it chapter two. But uh, I have faith in Moschietti. I feel like he did a great job at adapting, <laughs> adapting the Jesus. the first part of this book. I think, yeah, I have faith in him. I think it's going to be. And there are some like there are really some really uh, key points in the story that were in you know the the first the first adaptation with Tim Curry that I was hoping to see in this one and that were in the book that are sort of like keystone parts in this in this book like the chinese restaurant scene which i'm like oh, I just i don't know a lot of this i'm sure is discussion for take two we, i i really want to pull this back and be like we're we're about to watch this movie this is the take one um but there's a lot to say about this movie and i it's it's i just can't wait take two so like once
0: this new movie comes out on a streaming or download where you can like actually download it, I want to take both of these movies and uh, the, the Beck song, Loser, like the I'm a loser, baby, and make like a music video. That's funny. Yeah.
1: I was like thinking about that uh, pretty much the whole movie. Because the next line is, so why don't you kill me? Yeah. Interesting. This has been a commercial for old Beck songs. <laughs> We've come a long way since season one. <laughs> A lot of cool sponsors this season. (laughs) No, I um this movie was actually
0: I knew I loved it. I know I love it. And I think this this was one of the times where I was like, let me be like critical. And I think I realized that a movie doesn't have to be perfect to be really awesome. And it's really awesome, but it certainly is not perfect. There are a lot of things that bug me about it.
1: It is not without flaws. And I think watching it this time, I realized that I I have to stop watching it because every time I do watch it, I find something that I dislike about it. Like there's always something else that I notice and I feel like I'm liking it less and less, but it's still a great movie. It's still one of my favorites and, but this is the last time I know I'm, I'm going to watch it until chapter two.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, we're a little bit, we're working a little bit ahead on this, um, but it chapter two should come out very soon. Is it, What date is this episode? I'm checking. I will check. So this episode drops one week before It Chapter 2 comes out, which is Mm – that's pretty exciting. I I know I'm excited, and I know that there were a couple of times in the movie that we were, like, trying to remember – because we both read the book uh, Mm – how things – end up for some of these characters and i'm thinking in my head like i don't really want to to think too much about it and remember i mean it's been a while since we've read that book and uh it was so dense that some things are kind of foggy to me um and i don't like i I, it's not something that i'm gonna revisit before i see this movie so that i am like you know what I mean? So that like all of the spoilers are are
1: spoiled, you know, like mm-hmm. I want to I want to be able to go in fresh. I don't know if this is something that you told me or if it's something I read or both. But um, apparently Stephen King wrote a scene specifically for this next movie. So it's going to be something that no one has seen or read before.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like. OK, so here's how I feel on that. They have this sexy headline, Stephen King has written a new scene for IT Chapter 2, and then you click on the story, and what it amounts to is Stephen King basically saying that he had nothing to do with IT Chapter 1, obviously writing the source material, but mm-hmm. other than that, he wasn't involved, and that um, he was really honored when Muschietti reached out to him because of uh, Stephen King's, like, praise of the first movie, it kind of it emboldened to reach out to him and to talk to him about the movie. And I think that they uh, – one of the articles said that um, he maybe gave him some of the treatments or something and, and talked to him about some stuff. And the phrase that I got was suggested a scene. I don't I don't know exactly from what I've seen, and it could be wrong, and I could have read the wrong articles. But it doesn't necessarily seem to me that he like penned – a new scene versus like, Hey, maybe they should do this. And they run with that. That's something I could see Stephen King doing versus like, hold on. Let me write you a new entry to something I wrote decades ago.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. Way to smash hopes and dreams. (laughs) no, I mean, like,
0: I, I, I'm glad (laughs) that he's a part of it and I'm glad that he has yet again, signed off on it. So that really, to me just means that he is again, given his stamp of approval to what Muschietti is doing. But as far as, you know, Stephen King, okay, I think my point here is coming off more positively to me than to you, and I know why, because you like the book better than me. I don't really uh, love
1: (laughs) Stephen King's version of this story. I like Andy Muschietti's version. I I mean, I can respect both. I think why I was excited about that headline was because it kind of seemed to me that Stephen King did have this whole span of time since writing the book to kind of mull it over and think about it and maybe he's come up with new ideas and i don't know i, I think mean it's such a- I, I, there's no doubt like there i'm sure
0: he has and i'm sure that there is it's probably someplace in the middle like i don't know if it's necessarily like stephen king's getting a writing credit you know but it, it, you the know mean, i'm sure they had some good conversations and i would love to have been on a fly on the wall for them um but we'll see i'm sure they will make a they will they will write follow-up articles
1: to this yeah. you know there's no way for us to know until like yeah. we won't even know take 3 so no definitely uh, not um we're to find out the 6th but
0: this movie i guess we could talk about some of the things that maybe popped up i mean like i think in the first take we talked about how much we love this movie mm-hmm. like we're both big fans of it it is on your top 5 list you know i think it's i certainly admire it for the fact that it's the highest grossing horror movie of all time. Like that's really impressive. Yeah. But there are some things that I'm like, you know what? I don't necessarily like, just like some things are nitpicking and some things I'm like, mm, I don't know if that
1: that lessens my love of this film. What's that YouTube channel? That's like so-and-so many things wrong. Sin,
0: cinema sins.
1: Yeah. I and I see like that
0: those are jokes, but they're like mantra is no film is without sin, you
1: know? Yeah. Yeah. I just think that's the kind of mindset that I had when I was watching this. I'm like, oh, like why would that happen? Or oh why is this here? And but yeah, I don't know. I still I still loved it. I still it's still very entertaining. And it's scary in such a different way than typical horror movies. This movie has like a huge
0: asset in that it is literally about these children's worst fears. So you get to embody all of these different horrifying things and tie them together just because they are scary. And I think that the way that Muschietti handles horror is definitely unique. Having seen Mama, hated it. Seen Mama again, loved it. Like I am. <laughs> I'm on the Muschietti
1: train. I, I'm, I just want him to do every Stephen King novel, <laughs> novella, short story. I just, ugh. Okay, but can we talk about some of the things I, I got off track can
0: we talk about some of the things that bother me? No. Uh, one, I know Henry Bowers is alive because he's in the trailer for the second one, and I read the book, and he's not dead, but he totally died in this movie. Like, you don't fall that far and make that loud of a noise. What? Like, the <sighs> only think- thing I think of is that maybe, like, uh, he fell into, you know, some like, like he was saved supernaturally by Pennywise like I, I don't well, know
1: that's honestly that I mean Pennywise has kind of been like using him yeah isn't that isn't that a big rule in cinema that if you don't see the death then
0: yeah probably didn't yeah.
1: die. sometimes yeah in, in horror yeah
0: okay well I'll 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 be okay with that
1: yeah I think that was certainly I don't know it should have been more clear if it was yeah or like less clear I don't know I, I I do get what you're saying though. I do understand where you're coming from. Like I feel like we heard his thud. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: It's a, it was a far fall for sure. But uh. I don't like I I at the beginning I'm jumping all the way around. Okay, another thing. I was saying that my least favorite shot in the movie and my favorite shot in the movie are right beside each other, and it's when Pennywise comes out of the sewer and bites Georgie's arm. It is so CGI and fake looking that I'm just like, what is this? Like you could have just made, I don't know. It just looks so bad and fake. And then it cuts to like the next shot is him crawling with his bloody arm. And I that, that, that gives me chills just thinking about it because I remember in the movie theater sitting there and being like, Whoa!
1: This is like not how they did it in the miniseries. So I, I don't. We probably brought this up in take one, but we tried watching the miniseries. Didn't work out. We stopped. Garbage. Not good. But you see, I don't know. I don't mind so much that it was so CGI in that part because I don't think that there was really any other solution to that. No, they totally could have put. They've done. They do more,
0: uh, more believable CGI in this movie. But like, they could have done something practical,
1: or at least. Just that one shot just looks so fake. But like any other time that he opened, he opens his mouth like eight times in this movie. Why is that one specifically bothering you? Go
0: back and look at it. It's rough. I'm just saying it's rough. Like it's the first time
1: we see it and he just, it just looks cartoony to me. And it's like, animalistic. And I don't know. I'm quick to defend that part because that was the first part. Like I, I knew what was coming up. I knew, obviously I know what happens, but to that degree and the sound effects that happened and like that was the moment that I was like oh shit this movie is going to be insane like this movie is going to be crazy well yeah when he, when he's crawling and stuff like that I mean I felt that
0: same way I just, I'm just saying that like it was like when like, he specifically opened his mouth to yeah,
1: his yeah like cream right. of the crop and bottom of the barrel right beside each other it was weird <laughs> one of the big problems that I had with this movie. And it's, it's something that I, cause I saw this movie four or five times in theaters. I loved it so much. Uh, and it, it kind of like towards the end, I was like, all right, I could probably get up and leave because I've seen all the parts that I want to see. But when they're in the sewers and Eddie's just kind of screaming just the whole time, I can only take so much of that. And I think that's one of the main issues that I had with this movie. But, um, you, you, you brought that up to me almost every time you've seen this film
0: And so I was kind of looking for it. It's really not that much time though. It's
1: really only like a few minutes that they're, I think it's just, it's maybe it's like they're in one room and they scream and got to save someone. And then they go to the next room and they're screaming and trying to save someone. And then they go to the next room and they're screaming and trying to save someone. Also the whole like pulling Bev down and they're like, Bev, Bev, you got to wake up. I'm like, please don't kiss her. Please don't kiss her. Oh my God. And he kisses her. What the hell? Oh God. I don't remember if that's in the book.
0: That's cringe not cringe central. No, I don't think it's in the book. Yeah, that's some bullshit. Yeah, and I was like, "What are you doing?" And I yeah. Uh, we can. What the hell was that? Oh, your battery's low. What battery? Your
1: smoke detector battery. Do I have a smoke detector in my room? is oh, that what that noise that or a was? massive cricket? I don't know. Yeah, sure. that's what that was. Okay,
0: well. Oh, I just wanted to like end on a good part because this is another one that we its like way too freaking long. Um. Yeah, y'all hear it? Yeah. What? I don't know what's going on. I'm afraid It's gonna be to, going off
1: for the next few yeah. minutes until you change it. So. Awesome.
0: <laughs>
1: um. <laughs> Keep this in there, please. I'm
0: not gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna stop <laughs> what I'm doing. I'm trying to say something good about this goddamn movie. No, say it. Say it. Um, I think that. Billy Skarsgård. I was about to say Alexander Skarsgård, but that that's a different actor. Uh, Billy Skarsgård is His brother.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be. You might as well just get used to it. this. It's gonna be doing that. Billy Skarsgård's
0: stuff, yeah. really good in this. He's like,
1: <laughs> like a
0: revelation as this character. He is not yeah. a pedophile down the street like Tim Curry plays it, but he is like this evil dancing. For former demons like he's just and he was born to play this role and I um, even though this this very much uh, what is the word Um, kind of takes him out of the running forever being able to do this and we do have a Joker movie coming out very soon I could say in 10 years when they inevitably make another Joker movie because they love doing it um, he could totally be the Joker if yeah. if he was not Pennywise, I think he would be an amazing Joker as well. He just has that. It's not just because of the clown thing. I just he has that just like in his eyes, in his <laughs> like soul, in his I don't know. Even like as a even like as a just like a real actor, a real person doing interviews and stuff like that. I mean, he seems like a normal guy, but like you just yeah. know he could be really crazy. Yeah, um,
1: yep. yeah,
0: and it and it never comes across as like mean or malicious. It's always part of the show, part of the you know what I mean? It's it's always just like fuck <laughs> <laughs> he's just putting on this like horrific horror show. It's passionate. Yeah. It's like it's passion. He does I, it
1: really well for sure. Uh,
0: um yeah. If if I, if that wasn't a good point, blame whatever the hell is making that noise. I <laughs> It's your smoke detector. Yeah, and I'm under a blanket still because I'm still in this fucking giant room. <laughs> um so I'm I can't even see where it is. I didn't realize I had a smoke detector in here. Probably should have a smoke detector in here, but I don't didn't I realize there was one. <laughs> um
1: it's Fuck. Okay. Take 3. So you had me review Take One and Take Two, and these were filmed like shuffled (laughs) a bit, and we filmed Take One and Take Two, or recorded, I guess, Take One and Take Two a long time ago. And there was a discussion about how horror movies today are sort of predictable. There's like a whole discussion about why it is different than a lot of horror movies today and I think someone posed the question like what else can you do with the with a horror movie like jump scares scare and like how else can you do that but then we just got finished recording for one of our episodes later on this year which is Blair Witch which I think does it beautifully you so, can put in
0: dread yeah I yeah. might have said that and I'm like why the hell would I have said that there's so many other ways to scare people that's stupid yeah, yeah if, if I said that which I just edited these, so I should know, but I don't, uh, I am, I was mistaken.
1: Even if you did say it, it was kind of like, I was, I like agreed with you. So, um, but then we have this whole discussion about, uh, the Blair witch that completely shuts all of that down. So, yeah, I just um, think that there
0: is, there's always a degree of like startling in a film. You, You know, you want to startle people. It's a, it's a way to, to, to put people on edge. You know, even even if you're not, like, directly startling people, making people think that you will startle them, um, and you can do that wrong, and that can be all you have, or you could surround it with, like, you know... Tension. Uh, good filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. yes.
1: Uh, That's... Uh, I actually... We could do a whole quick take on this, because uh, I found so many resources about this, and how to perfect the jump scare, how to do it wrong and why it's sort of kind of ruining horror now. Uh, and I can, I'll list those in the, in the description. Do you want to just but do a quick take on it right now? No, <laughs> but like at some point. Yeah. Though, yeah. I'd okay. love to, I think that's a great idea. Uh, I still need to, you know, do some research on it, but um, yeah. it was just a very interesting video. And I was trying to, cause I was trying to research like why this is different from other horror movies, why I like it more. I don't know. I
0: don't know. You Again, I think something that this movie has working for it is that at its core, it is something that, you know, manifests your worst fears. So mm-hmm. we have all of these people that we care about, and then we have something that is able to, I guess, combat them and and make them feel fear to their very core so you not only may also be afraid of that specific thing because you know a lot of people are afraid of clowns and diseases and you know like each of them have a fear that's very well represented here but then you also see them people that you actually care about like these kids are actually enjoyable Mm -hmm. you see them going through something and and that's what i think draws me in it's not the scares you know it's The fact that I love these seven or eight kids, I guess you count Georgie as eight. Yeah.
1: The um, part of the research that I found, uh, Andy, which (laughs) another thing I wanted to add, uh, it's Muschietti. Holy shit. I've literally (laughs) never
0: pronounced that right.
1: Well, I and I know that like neither of us did. So the whole time I didn't even know that you had in in take one or take two. But like I, I, uh, I definitely know that I did because it was like in my head the whole time. But uh, he wanted to sort of mirror King's, like Stephen King's way of writing in that he loves to involve both horror and humor and drama. It's not both, but like it's sort of this beautiful amalgamation of all of these things. And I think that this movie did that very, very well. The characters are fun and relatable and adorable. For sure. For sure. Also, uh,
0: this is like before we jump in. No, maybe I shouldn't say that. I don't know. Actually. What? It's, have you seen Barbara Muschietti? Why? She is like one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in my life. Oh,
1: yeah. Absolutely. And she is, Barbara.
0: She's so like she's so talented and such a badass, and she's so
1: beautiful. It's, <laughs> she, it's Andy Muschietti's
0: uh, sister. sister. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Who works very closely with him and his movies. Uh, yeah. I don't know what her exact title is, though. She's a producer. Okay. Yeah. They are they are like a a filmmaking
0: team Team. right now. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I I don't want that to be like her, you know, her looks are her most noticeable trait or whatever. I think she's a very, very, very talented producer. She clearly worked very closely with her brother on this project. Mm -hmm. But she's also just really beautiful. (laughs) I was I was like, Oh my goodness, she's just she's breathtaking. Honestly, Andy's not that bad. No, they're both he's, they're both
1: very attractive people handsome, for sure. Yeah. I follow Andy's Instagram yeah. and he's always on set with like I don't know if this is common, but like he's so casual. He's always in like t-shirt and jeans in any photo that he's in, unless he's in like a on like a red carpet or yeah movie premiere or something, He then he'll dress up, but he just seems like the most laid back guy. Definitely,
0: definitely. I love how he always wishes um, all the losers happy birthdays happy
1: birthdays yeah that makes That's me so happy. cute yeah follow his instagram it's it's very entertaining he's he is like an illustrator hes he does a lot of really yeah. awesome sketches. Something I learned in my research there's a scene in the movie when uh you know when bill is sleeping and he has that that sketch of uh of bev yeah and the water droplet falls on uh-huh. it. he sketched that like that that was oh, cool. his drawing yeah
0: cool cool yeah. cool. That's awesome. Okay, so we we've established that the Muschietis are uh, incredibly talented, beautiful people. Um, so I can just jump in, I guess, talking about go the for it. movie. Yeah. So like, I normally go through and and talk about like box office and stuff like that. This movie is the highest grossing horror film of all time, and has it grossed seven hundred million dollars at the box office.
1: Uh, I know I always do this and I'm really sorry, but do you know what it beat? Like what was the horror movie before the exorcist? Oh, no kidding. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I remember it being a big deal. Like, Oh my gosh,
0: is it going to beat the exorcist? But it did. (laughs) Um, the, the, the film, when it opened, uh, claimed the largest September opening, largest fall opening, and largest opening for an R-rated horror film, and not to mention largest for any horror film. So, it'll be interesting to see if Chapter Two tops that. Like, I'm sure sh- I'm sure it will. But. I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 hard. I mean, like you would think that because the movie was pretty well regarded and ideally for a sequel you build on your audience. So mm-hmm. hopefully it does. But I also could could say that, you know, for a movie like, like take force awakens, force awakens broke box office records because it was like the first in a long time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then when last Jedi came out, it didn't open as big, but I don't necessarily think that because last Jedi wasn't as divisive yet like when it when it premiered not everybody you know was so up in arms about it Do you know what i mean so it's yeah. like even if this movie doesn't ha- get the greatest ratings even if number two doesn't get as as good of ratings like people i don't know that that many people will know right off the bat mm-hmm. so i don't know if that will like affect the opening weekend it may affect if it has legs or not but we'll see we'll see it, we, yeah we have yeah. a week I've been following this movie for what feels like years and years and years. uh, The first one, just like the, the making of it. And I had no idea that I would enjoy it as much as I wound up, you know, I didn't know that I would know you who is your second favorite movie of all time. Like this, it's been a while. And there are a couple of interesting like stories that I think are worth telling. Um, First, the Duffer brothers wanted to make this movie and they didn't have anything impressive enough to put on their resume so they didn't get the job. And you know what that they wound up creating, which is like but one of the greatest horror sci fi shows of all time, Stranger Things. But what is the word? I don't know if it's irony or the coincidence that both of them star Finn Wolfhard. Like that is Oh yeah. And <laughs> that's so that's
1: that's too funny um in in such opposing roles too like i remember season one had come out of stranger things and then we see it chapter one and it's this like raunchy very inappropriate uh, kid and then going back and seeing him again in stranger things season two as this like really kind hearted polite boy was or it was like really weird to like get myself out of that mindset
0: yeah Finn Wolfhard is a good actor. He definitely, yeah. uh, I think, you know, has has some range. And apparently, um, I'm, I know you are very against talking about it, Chapter Two, or things I've heard about it, Chapter
1: Two. But I will say, apparently, Bill Hader is incredible. Oh, I believe it. He's well. He's sort of breaking out into these serious roles now. All of a sudden, uh, what's the? Um, he has like a show. Is it Barry? In, yeah, 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 yep. Um Emmy Award winning uh,
0: SNL guy. I mean, like, yeah, that's so he's, cool. He's breaking out, which I think is great. I love him. I think he's awesome. It's fascinating to see what someone who steps out of their shell can do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When someone is really good in one avenue and then kind of changes gears to something maybe just – Something you wouldn't expect, and he's, like, killing it, and apparently and he, kill, he yeah. kills it in this, so yeah,
1: yeah.
0: it's very For exciting. Sure. Another um, interesting part of this journey to get to it was um, Carrie Fukunaga, who uh, – or he was slated to write and direct this, and if you aren't familiar with him, he directed the first season of True Detective with Woody Harrelson yeah. and Matthew McConaughey. And he had cast Will Poulter for the role of Pennywise. And Will Poulter is in Midsummer. He's in oh, yeah. uh, We're the Millers. Millers. Yeah. yeah. The redheaded kid. Yeah. Oh well. Wait, he, who was he supposed to be then? I don't – he doesn't have red hair, does he? I thought he was like – he looked like a redhead to me. So he, I think he's blonde in
1: We're the Millers. Yeah, I guess blonde is more
0: – I have a cousin that looked like
1: him. Do you not do Yeah, you, know you i talking about? Yeah, I know exactly like, what you're talking about. I don't know why I thought he was a redhead. He's just kind of like pale and. and he has brown black hair, hair or
0: brown hair in um, Midsummer. He's a complete he? dick in Midsummer.
1: I don't know why he. Anyway, who was he supposed to play? Pennywise. Oh, Pennywise. Oh, yeah, whoa, whoa. yeah,
0: yeah. But then when Carrie left because of creative differences, Will was out too, and um, Fukunaga even gave some insight a little bit later on why he was why he left. Uh, saying that the studio wanted a much less offensive and more widely digestible film. And oh, I, like, wanted to quote him here. I was, like, so ready to. But honestly, he's just shitting on this movie two years before anyone had even seen it. Like, the new... When he made these statements or whatever, like, I don't even... I doubt that the that the first movie had even gone into production yet. Uh, so to me, it just felt kind of unprofessional. Like, you're shitting on something that's, like... I don't know. Like, you... I feel like when you depart a project... Citing uh, creative differences, there's like a there's some tact that needs to be involved, and you just kind of like, okay, that's not my thing. I'll move on to something else. But basically, he was saying, you know, they didn't want characters; they just wanted archetypes, and I don't know. uh, I'm honestly, you can Google the you know his comments on it, but I I just think he's he went down a little bit in my book, in my opinion. Interesting. So yeah, there's like some weird detours that were made along the way of finding andy muschietti to direct this movie and and now this this
1: franchise of movies if you want to go you certainly can uh yeah i have a i have a few things uh i think this movie was certainly an exploration of childhood and adolescence and obviously coming of age like every adult in this movie is sort of worthless and also very hazardous (laughs) yeah (laughs) very hazardous Uh, They are at times quite literally blind to what the children are experiencing. Case in points, the adults that drive past Ben, once he's being carved on the bridge, they just kind of look the other way and keep driving. Uh, Bev's dad not noticing the blood in her bedroom. And the fact that anytime there's a TV shown, there's an adult sitting in front of it, and there are things like um, the sewer is a great place for children to play, like, happening in the background yeah. and it's just sort of like everyone's okay with this it's it, it like it looks like some weird kids tv show that's yeah like, yeah which is i think both literal and symbolic yeah. because it's sort of like they're just they just don't care they're so blind to what's happening that it's it's just become a normal everyday thing also the woman who in the very very beginning who was uh, out on her porch when georgie was looking into the drain pipe she didn't think that that was like mysterious or anything yeah i don't know I feel like the parents in this movie, like a lot of them are like the direct
0: triggers for these kids' trauma. Exactly. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, Eddie's mom is mm-hmm. directly working against him. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Uh, like even As Mike's is, parents are, I mean, in, in like a – in a very more fucked up way. I was going to say that was very morbid. Yeah. <laughs> that's Yeah. But I mean um, they and are. And like his – is it his grandpa that's the one that's like telling him at the beginning like –
1: I'm not sure. I don't. I don't remember. I think like he references his book.
0: grandpa later. So then, that's the only person that I would attribute. It's either his grandpa or his uncle or something. Like he's in but. his. He's in that guy's custody. I would imagine. You know, yeah. since his parents passed away. So, but I, I guess I'm just saying. Like you're right. Like every adult in this movie is like. Uh, uh, you're like not just
1: awful. They are destructive they are exactly yeah yeah and uh, I mean obviously Bev's dad who I think is the most destructive uh, character.
0: Um, and it shows like when when Pennywise winds up turning into
1: you into, know, into yeah. him yeah 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 uh, one of my favorite lines in this movie was uh, nothing like a little fear to make a paper man crumble yeah when it's Henry Bowers' dad right right when Henry Bowers is like I'm just cleaning your gun and he takes it yeah. away from him and then shoots at the ground, it's and they one of the all the things in the movie. I know, I know, but I kind of connected it with the very end when Bill is shooting Pennywise in the head, he kind of like crumbles and, oh, and shit, dissolves yeah. a bit, and it's that's sort of the moment when Pennywise is kind of feeling that fear um. Yeah for the first time it's like a, an emotion or a reaction that he's really never had before. And I think the, him saying that earlier on in the movie, nothing like a little fear to make a paper man crumble. I think like clearly that was intentional and I really, it made me like that moment in the movie more. That's a, that's a really good point. I never noticed. I like, I'd never tied those two together. I like that. Yeah. Um, and in some of my research, there was a, there were a lot of signs that pointed to the fact that these, Kids like imaginations and their fears become very much tangible, not in the obvious way that uh, Pennywise is like a shapeshifter and will turn into their biggest fear, but sort of their acknowledgement that he's fueled by their fear is actually a weapon against him. And I saw a clip from the original uh, miniseries when Eddie has his inhaler and he's like, "This is battery acid, you asshole," or something like that, and he sprays it in Pennywise's face. And clearly, that's not battery acid, but. Pennywise still reacts and his face, like Tim Curry's face, like melts away. Uh, so it's, it's very much, it's, it's real to them. And in this one, Bill stun gun is able to have an effect even when it's not loaded. Like Mike was like, it's not loaded. It's not loaded. And he oh my it. god! Yeah, and he shoots it and it's still, he's still, I mean, it doesn't kill him, but he still no, has like a very real It still real has reaction. an
0: effect and right, right. that is so, wow. Like I knew, I knew that they did that in. The mini series. The I remember yeah. that part. Because I was like, what? But like now that I was an adult, like I understand that that wasn't battery acid. But the fact that they used that – because I was just thinking when you were saying that, I was like,
1: mm-hmm. oh, well, they didn't use that in this movie. And yes, at they first,
0: did. That's perfect.
1: Yeah, yeah. And at first I thought it was um, – and I'll explain later how I found this out. At first I thought it was just sort of Pennywise being kind of like, oh – you didn't get me, kind of thing, because he didn't really die. He kind of like fell backwards and then attacked the kids more. Yeah. But the fact that Mike said it's not loaded, it's not loaded, means that it was drawing attention to the fact that Bill knew and still used it anyway. And then it rea- Pennywise had a reaction to it. I don't know. It was it was very interesting to me. I thought it's researching this made me like the movie. A lot more. I know we kind of agree. were borderline the last take. Yeah. We were kind of like, "Oh, okay, you <laughs> were doing it," but uh, I, I really do. I, my faith has been restored. I gotta say though, I
0: think that is the case for. I mean, not to to lessen your point, but I really do think that's the case for all of these movies. I, <laughs> I genuinely believe that the 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 structure of this podcast, the way we have it kind of set up here, mm-hmm. really does enhance the enjoyment of the film. And I really would encourage people to, you know, like set up a, a, a like if, if you do want to follow along, like watch a movie and then have a discussion and verbalize your feelings, but then go and just try to inundate yourself with what other people have experienced, you know, how, how other people have experienced it and learn about the making of it and, uh, the, uh, like really try to think about the underlying themes and things. And, and I, I can't, I can't imagine that you would do anything but enjoy it more. Yeah. I can't imagine that that would not
1: enhance your experience. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Enhance yeah. the
0: experience. Totally. Like I think, or
1: what? sorry, I was going to say, or you could just listen to us because we do all the work for you. You're right. That's a good point. <laughs> it kind of never registered to me how different Bev's experience with adolescence is with the boy from the boys. Uh, it's, it's very clear when she's in the convenience store or the pharmacy and she's in front of this wall of tampons and she's kind of like stunned, like she doesn't know what to do. And it's kind of, she doesn't really have a, a mother figure to help her through all of this. And it's clear that she doesn't really know how to handle this. She's sort of ashamed of it. She keeps it behind her back. Um, And it's, her experience is very different. And I think her, the way that Pennywise manifests himself to her is blood. This flooding of blood. And I don't know if that, like the only girl in the group is struggling with her menstruation like, I know that's kind of a feminist struggle. I know that there's a lot of problems with that, but I certainly think that there is there is symbolism there, whether or not. Well, it offers the commentary that,
0: you know, and that it's true, is that in today's society, in the 80s and in the 90s, like any at any point that this story has existed, you know, through a book or a miniseries or now, um, with, females have always had to grow up faster than boys, yeah, just yeah. through puberty, just through experiences, certain things happen to to females earlier in life, and mm-hmm. you know she's dealing with a whole extra set of this stuff that she has. This dad who is doing these unspeakable things to her. Mm-hmm. Um, like if anybody was ripe for Pennywise to terrorize, it's Bev because she has all of this stuff that it's you know <laughs> it's so like she's being terrorized in real life. Her dad is a real life Pennywise.
1: Yeah. And look who ends up being like the strongest of the group. Like, yeah. That's, yeah, she's a great character. And I'm so
0: happy that Jessica Chastain is playing <laughs> her. I'm so like, I love Sophia Lillis, but like, I just, I mean, Jessica Chastain is one of my favorite actresses. And I'm just so glad because that character is, I think, one of my favorite literary characters. I think she's yeah perfect.
1: Mm-hmm. As soon as they announce part two or as soon as, uh, the first movie ended i was i think everyone sort of fantasized about who they wanted to play each character and yeah. i think i'm i still would have loved to have seen amy adams give that role a try because they are such like they're identical they do look similar they are
0: identical i just uh, i i think it was also very clear right from the get-go though that's like Jessica Chastain and Andy Musietti yeah. are friends. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like yeah, and yeah. obviously she's a very talented actress. And it just seemed like that was kind of like the one fan casting that when it happened, or the one real casting, when it happened, it was like, yay, but like well, duh. totally yeah, not surprised at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, mean, I see I
1: saw this coming. And that's not to say that I'm not so excited to see her in that role. I absolutely love Jessica Chastain. I think she is amazing. I think just in the back of my head, there'll always be that. Oh, what if you know? Like, yeah, oh, what I if things are different? different,
0: different. But, same, well, I mean, it's not necessarily the exact same thing because they actually went with someone who is not as big of a name. But I know a lot of people will wanted Chris Pratt for Ugh. yeah Ben, <laughs> and I know that Chris Pratt is not is he's. An, I mean, I don't know. I, like, I think everybody has like different standpoints but like Mm -hmm. you know in in my circle he's kind of like persona non grata at the moment so uh i i don't know i i'm i'm glad that there is a there's enough of these characters that i mean like i i think i've seen them all other places or at least most of them in other places but there's enough Not i don't want to say no name but lesser known actors that it won't be like, oh, look at this actor and this actor. It'll be like, look at this character and this character. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, I feel yeah, like I feel like the, the three big names, Bill Hader, James McAvoy, and Jessica Chastain, um, certainly are going to do a lot for the box office, even though they don't necessarily tend to do good box office on their own. A lot of times they actually <laughs> uh, aren't – like they don't bring in that much money uh, when they're in individual movies. I do think that like they are – There is star power in this movie. I still do think that those actors will be able to kind of disappear into their roles. And I will still be able to to see Bill and Bev. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if it was all seven of them and they were all seven like huge stars, it would be kind of like,
1: okay, maybe we didn't need all of this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And one of the struggles that I found that Muschietti had during filming was trying to – strike a balance and highlight each of the kids sort of equally. He did not do that. What do you not think so?
0: I feel, I I feel like uh, Mike got the short end of the stick and I know that he enters the the story much later. Um, But for him to be so important when he grows up, like I remember thinking that, okay, let me, I'll just say one little thing Um, in the, In in chapter two, Mike is the only one that doesn't leave Derry. He becomes like the town librarian or historian or whatever. And I honestly, in this first movie, was like, oh, my God, they're going to give it to Ben. They're going to give Mike's only thing to do in the second one to Ben because Ben's the historian.
1: spent all the time in the library. Yeah, Yeah.
0: but like now Mike is – it, and not only does that not work for me, I don't think – and that's something I'm a little bit confused about. I just feel like, wow, like um, the character of Mike is so fascinating and so troubled um, that I yeah, wish but- there was more of him. And I understand it's like a reflection of when he enters the story, but I still.
1: I think that save for maybe Bev and Bill, I think everyone got pretty equal treatment. Do you not agree?
0: I, I, other than Mike, yeah. I think I think uh, Richie yeah. and Eddie and Ben are are probably on the same. And then Bill and Bev get more time just because they have the media stories. They're both I mean, I dealing guess, with. You get you get Mike's backstory, and you get you do, his. You, you see, his Uncle. I, yeah, I know. I just, I just. It, to me, I think it does come. Or from, Grandpa. <laughs> I think he 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 shows up late. And it's just like, oh, the movie's about to end. You know what I mean? You really yeah. don't get that much from him.
1: That's fair. That's fair. Maybe I'll feel differently about the adult. I'm, yeah, version. hopefully. And I guess all that to say that I feel like if you were to have every single one of them a huge star, that would be A, expensive, and be very difficult. Yeah. So.
0: Did you know that this movie only cost $35 million to make? I don't know how much no the second way. one has cost. $35 million. That means it made 20 times its budget. That thirty-five million dollars out of me. Yeah. Oh my and, God. And um, what I mean, like, obviously, you know, there's there's um, advertising and all that stuff that you don't necessarily factor in. But you think about the fact that this movie grows twenty times its budget. That is crazy.
1: I was going to say for those who aren't really, I guess, keen to movie budgets, I feel like that, that that's not high, is what we're saying. Like, oh my very, gosh,
0: thirty-five million for what we got. Yeah. For, yeah. I mean. um like a, you know, a normal, a, a normal mid-ranged movie like that, you would say, you would probably think like 40 to $75 million. Like, yeah, that's insane. They did a great job. They really did, especially with like the special effects and stuff. I'm sure they've upped the budget. Yeah. You know, I would be, I would be surprised if they didn't double it. Um, mm-hmm. But for, for this particular one, I think, you know, they obviously struck gold. <laughs> So, what were some of your other points? Oh, okay. Um, I want to talk about Bill Skarsgård. Let's do it. Uh, one, I love him. I love that family. Stellan Skarsgård his dad, and he's an incredible actor. Uh, Alexander Skarsgård is his brother, and he's an incredible actor. If you guys have ever seen True Blood, he's Eric Northman, and that family is amazing. And he, he reminds me of his his brother a lot, like the some of the looks that he gives, not as Pennywise, but just uh, <laughs> like in real life. Um, and he's like. He's, like, young. Like, I think he's, like, our age. Um, really? Yeah, which is cool. Um, so uh, one thing that I thought was really neat was that uh, he went and did a bunch of research for Pennywise, and he said that he got inspiration from movies like The Shining, Clockwork Orange, The Dark Knight, and uh, Silence <laughs> the Lamb. So it's, like, Hannibal Lecter <laughs> – the joker yeah uh, oh my god what is malcolm mcdowell's uh name in clockwork orange i cannot think of it um, oh, I have but no then idea. jack torrance like it's like yeah it's yeah. perfect those are perfect uh references icons yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's um and i think it's also cool i saw in a video him saying that he had read uh in the it book that its favorite form um, is Pennywise to take you know like it obviously <laughs> is an entity that can take a lot of different forms and Pennywise right. is one of them and um, its favorite form is Pennywise and so uh, Bill wanted to you know bring the aspect of like he's having fun he's enjoying this he's just putting on a show and he is in. he, he this is not like work for him this is just him toying with his food you know yeah like why not Have some fun while you're done hibernating. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. Um, So I know I've told you this story about the eye. Basically, Mm -hmm. Andy Muschietti thought that it would be a cool idea um, for his eyes to move on their own um, separately from one another to kind of give this very uh, otherworldly feel or, you know – Obviously, that's very unnerving and creepy uh, and and after he had cast bill bill's like, "Oh I have a lazy eye and he like does it for him and he yeah. can move so like in the movie his eyes that's like legit
1: mm-hmm.
0: that his eyes his eyes are really moving and and any mucaetti was like
1: you just saved me. Thank
0: you so much. You just saved me hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Like, <laughs> great job. Yeah, uh, yeah. Another thing with his eyes, though, that's really cool in the uh, sewer scene with Georgie. Uh, it's Pennywise has blue eyes, and those are just Bill's eyes. Those are just Bill's car's guards' real eyes.
1: No way. Yeah. It's
0: like the idea was that he would um, maybe be a little bit, you know, softer enough More to like lure yeah. Georgie to lure Georgie Georgie, Jesus, (laughs) to lure Georgie, oh God, okay, let me say that again, to lure Georgie in,
1: you know? Yeah, yeah, to make him more approachable. Absolutely. That's weird, because I know they change, I know they change from like a bright, scary yellow, orange to the blue, there's no way his eyes are that that blue though
0: well it, it may have been like lighting or whatever color, color, but like actually. he's not wearing contacts in that scene which that's is cool
1: that's cool yeah i also i if if you weren't gonna bring up his eyes i was going to and i also found out that his lips those are his real lips those aren't yeah either. he
0: does he he said he like does this thing with his lips or what i can't do it neither yeah. of us can do it we don't have like that like <laughs> giant lip but like he does this thing and and he was talking about how like he's had all these weird quirks and all of these things he's always wanted to bring to a character and he literally just threw everything into Pennywise and
1: he finally can yeah 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 and look up some uh interviews that he does on like talk shows and stuff he'll actually do it like without the makeup and, and everything it's really cool yeah this guy's awesome
0: I agree I agree um the this is like the final thing on him, I believe. I just that is also really cool because I know we've talked about this. Uh, the teeth prosthetics that he uses uh, make him drool profusely. Mm-hmm. So uh, Andy was like, "Use it, just yeah. let's <laughs> do it." Yeah, it made him look like ravenous. <laughs> so it's like, I thought that was so cool because it's like, how often do so many of the visual like quirks of of a character like how often can you just attribute that to just the visual quirks of a human being that's playing that (laughs) character like like, okay sure you know if uh, an actor is just playing a character that looks like themselves sure you know if they have a tick then that character is going to have a tick Mm -hmm. but uh, in this it's like you would think that he would have to transform into Pennywise and the fact that he brought so much of himself to this (laughs) otherworldly uh, I mean, I don't want to say specifically what what Pennywise winds up being, but like, I, yeah, he was like born to play this role. It's my dogs are like, I, they're barking at nothing. <laughs> Let them be. I'm just, I'm sorry if you guys can hear my dogs. Literally, they're just standing outside, just barking, and I don't know
1: why. <laughs> uh, no, I think that's. I mean, you'd be. Back to Pennywise, I was going to say you'd be hungry too if you just slept for 27 years.
0: Yeah, yeah. Another thing I wanted to talk about was something that, like, it's not necessarily been addressed, at least that I've been able to find, but I thought it was interesting. I didn't really, like, find this anywhere. I was just kind of thinking about it today and did my own, like, research on it. So it it may be, like, it may be founded, it may be not, but whatever. Stephen King stated that he first conceived this story in... Nineteen seventy-eight, and he began writing it in eighty-one, and the book came out in like eighty-six, I think, right? Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, like, okay, let me let me find out when the John Wayne Gacy murders happened, and this is really weird. I know where you're going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John Wayne Gacy was apprehended in nineteen seventy-eight, and he was sentenced. Or he 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 basically had killed 33 people over the course of
1: uh a little bit over six years
0: oh well, yeah no big yeah, deal
1: <laughs> yeah but basically <laughs> he just, you said that so like oh he oh yeah he by the way he, he just killed, killed him, like 33 people
0: he dressed up as someone named pogo the clown patches yep. the clown like that mm-hmm, was his mm-hmm. uh, it's like what he became na- n- like known as like the killer clown um right around the time that Stephen King would have gotten this idea for this killer clown, I thought I thought that was really interesting. I, like I never really thought of that before until today. Mm-hmm. And I've not really seen um anywhere where I-, I looked, I was looking for, you know, something where Stephen King addressed like, hey, is this uh, a direct reference to John Wayne Gacy? Like I it can't, it can't have not been on his mind. This yeah. guy killed 33 people. Who was the last like
1: convicted serial killer? That's it's like something I know nothing about. <laughs> you sure yeah, it sounds like something a serial killer would say. No, I just I don't know, because I think of like John Wayne Gacy and I think of um uh Jeffrey Dahmer and now all these uh Netflix specials and documentaries are coming out with these people and I just feel like I haven't heard anything about any like convicted serial killers. I didn't know that. I'll have to look into that. Because I'm interested. That's weird to say. Okay, so uh, this next part might be just a little bit long, uh, but I looked at my. I wanted to go through the special features, and I own this on iTunes, so I I looked back on like it's sort of like a set up like a DVD menu kind of thing. And guess who has a full commentary on <laughs> the It Chapter One movie. Andy Muschietti, and Barbara Muschietti. That's awesome. So guess what I spent my workday doing today? (laughs) Oh my god. Uh, I kind of had it on in the background the whole time, and I was listening to the commentary, so I pretty much like rewatched this movie today. Uh, And I have a lot of notes to say, because they had a lot of really interesting things to to say about this movie, uh, and I would like to share them with you. First thing, Greta, you know the bully, the girl bully? Yeah. I think this only appeals to fans of the movie mama but Greta the actress who played Greta also played the oldest sister in mama like the two young girls she oh my god she grew up I know she did and I had to like look up the sisters again just to to see and sure enough it's 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 them uh, the scene where Bev gets the wet trash thrown over her stall that actually happened to Andy in high school, he said his friends did it. So I don't think it was an act of malice. I don't think he was like being bullied. Uh, I don't, uh, he didn't divulge any of that, but, um, I have regardless, some friends that I would do that too. <laughs> I, I don't doubt that. I live with one of them. <laughs> He intentionally made the skies uh, like a tinge of green. They, they, and if you look at them, they're they're like a little bit off to sort of give Derry this feeling of something being weird or uh, like that it's infected uh, with something which it kind of is like it has this like weird virus thing that's eating children. Uh, The scene with Stan reading from the Torah is shot in a way that makes him look as though he's sort of trapped or jailed uh, behind the railing that's in front of him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I thought was really cool. The painting that torments Stan is inspired by a real painting, or rather, an artist, I guess, that uh, Muschietti as a child was actually haunted by. Uh, The artist's name is Amadio Modigliani. And if you just do a simple Google search, you'll know exactly where he draws. Yeah, just type Amadeo Modigliani in Google (laughs) real quick. Seriously, A-M-E-D-E-O-M-O-D-I-G-L-I-A-N-I. Do it. It's really cool because his style is sort of like these – he has these portraits of women with like really long faces and it's definitely where he got the inspiration for the woman in the painting, as well as uh, mama in his first movie. Barbara, his sister was also on the commentary and she mentioned that it was a particular struggle for one of the losers to ride a bike. And they talk about how you can't just assume anymore that kids just know how to ride a bike in 2017, which yeah. is a little jarring to me, which I never really thought about. Um, but I've never, I haven't. It's been a very long time since I've ridden a bike, and I know there's that saying, it's like riding a bike. But I really am not sure if I'd be able to ride one again. When's the last time you rode a bike? Oh my god, a long time. Yeah, it's it's been like a decade a, or two. Yeah,
0: <laughs> well over a decade. I was a, a decade ago. I was seventeen.
1: No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Two decades? I don't know. <laughs> the. There is a program in Bev's bedroom for the Frog Prince, which is seen several times, I think. And Andy mentions, it kind of foreshadows the scene where Ben has to wake up Bev from her trance by kissing <laughs> her. I know, I know. I was like, gross, gross, gross. <laughs> uh, the house on Neibolt Street was actually constructed for the movie that didn't exist beforehand. Clearly. That was, that was made, I know. <laughs> they I know. found
0: that in nature. <laughs> like, that. that is the most obviously, like, Oh my planted. god! Yeah, like yeah, what yeah. in the world? You could have made some of the other houses look a little weird. It's just like normal suburban home. Normal suburban
1: home. The Adams family. Yeah, like, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> that was a good reference. I love those movies, by the way. I think I think they're phenomenal. We. Oh, I was just gonna say we should do an episode on those, but I think I make shut that up. Idea. Yeah, I literally <laughs> had that as one of our Halloween episodes, and he's like, "The new one doesn't look good at all. We're not doing that." No, it it does not look. I don't. I'm not a fan of this new animated thing that's coming out. But if you want us to do any one of the Adams Family movies, reach out, and I may reconsider. For Bev's bathroom scene, the sink was actually elevated about seven feet in the air. So that people below the sink could have room to put uh, like the blood and the hair on the tape measure when she's putting it down the sink, and also to house like the equipment that blasts all the blood up in the air. Oh, cool. And when it does explode, the shots of Bev leaning over the sink, it's actually an adult stunt double with facial prosthetics that make her look like Sophia, the actress. That's,
0: I was, you know, I was thinking about that. Like that much blood flying in your face or whatever has
1: got to be dangerous, like for a child. But it's also – I think it's probably also dangerous for like anyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, but a stun double, you know. Well, right. But he mentioned that it's shot in a way that if you look at each shot when the blood is exploding, you'll see that there's – he said that there was some kind of protection that is right below their face. So there's no actual blood that's shooting on their face. It kind of goes like out away from their face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that he was saying like the, in those shots, they didn't get a drop of blood on their face. Like it all just kind of like went around the room and it wasn't really, oh uh, it wasn't really hitting the face directly.
0: I don't mean to like interrupt you, but you know, I, I, feel like, I think I heard that, um, it chapter two is supposedly uses more blood than any other movie so far or something like that. Um, and then, you know. Uh, yeah, and in the trailer, I, she's covered with blood again. So Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, there might be that scene. <sighs> Maybe. Um, Andy said he didn't want to explore the mythology of the turtle, quote-unquote, in this movie. <sighs> so who knows if he'll change his mind in the second movie. Uh, but he did mention that... So for those who don't know, there's a... I won't explain how this works, but there is an entity in the book that is a turtle and it's this mythological turtle that supposedly created the universe and in order to is this too much is that too much to say i don't think so i don't think so okay there's a turtle that created the there's it's just it's a story and he didn't really explore that in this movie he said that in this movie i don't know if they're gonna bring it up in the second one or not but to sort of pay respect to that idea he sort of planted turtles all around yeah. the movie i know they it got brought up once when they were in the pond and a second or the lake or whatever when they yeah. were jumping off the cliff and the second one was in georgie's bedroom yeah. yeah he had a little lego turtle That was dropped so Yeah. But apparently he mentioned he got some pushback after some people came forward saying that that particular color of Lego that was used for the turtle did not exist the year that this took place. So I was like, y'all are are we really reaching this far? But I just, that's funny for him to bring that up. I thought that was funny for
0: anyone to be that into Legos. Like (laughs) I will say that if anyone was curious as to why I wasn't like a huge fan of the latter half of, this book. Um, it was the turtle. You just brought it up. I think yeah. that the, the, the stuff with the turtles, absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. And uh, he, the whole mythology around what Pennywise actually is, is absolutely ridiculous.
1: Yeah. It's creative.
0: It is. It's certainly, no, it's not creative. It's <laughs> drug induced. <laughs> Stephen King was on drugs. Is there I mean, I adore him. Like, I think he's, he's like so phenomenal. He is a phenomenal, uh, writer, he is a phenomenal creator, and he is a phenomenal person. I enjoy just listening to him talk. I listen to all of um, his interviews, and I just think he's just one of the coolest guys. I like his kids, like, but
1: damn, that I that is so whack. Like, what you are you saying, doing,
0: Stephen you, King?
1: You keep saying he was on drugs, but like, are you just saying because it seems like he was on drugs, or do you know for a fact that he was on drugs? So, like, drugs? I know
0: that there have been
1: he definitely did
0: have issues with drugs. I don't know if this particular idea has sprouted from a drug, you know, uh a drug trip, but I know that he has, you know, used drugs recreationally in his life. I know that he's not anymore, which is good. That's you know, that good, good for him. But and you know what? Like it it certainly has worked out for him. He's
1: yeah, I mean very, very successful. Good absolutely. for him. <laughs> Uh, I only bring this up because I know that you mentioned something when this song came up, but you know, the six different ways song when they're cleaning up the bathroom. Oh, I wanted to ask, I wanted to ask you if they explained
0: why like some of these awful songs came out well, like, and then the transition from like, uh, whenever time, like the, like the montage scene where it
1: yeah sprouts yeah. up in August, like there's just some weird songs. I'll explain both. So okay. the first one, The Six Different Ways, when they're cleaning up the bathroom, The Six Different Ways? Yeah. Stuff, you know that one. Uh, there, It's a The Cure song, and it's one that Andy grew up with, and while it seems a bit odd or silly, I know that you had mentioned that it was a weird choice, it meant a lot to Andy, and it, he figured it kind of represented Bev's connection with all the other boys, considering the lyrics are Six Different Ways Inside My Heart. So it's sort of like representing... Her love for these boys and her finally being accepted into Aww. this this okay. losers club. I would give it that. Which made me like it more. However, the second song that's playing, it's like it sounds like a little kid is singing it. Yes. Barbara was like, Oh, I just really like the song. I kind of grew up with it and loved it. And then like didn't really offer any other explanation about ah. it. So that one's less yeah. <laughs> less exciting. I still don't love it, but uh that was only, that was Barbara's only. Only thing for that one. I don't know if you remember this in the book, but I temporarily forgot it. Do you remember in the book the part where they're looking through a photo album and it kind of gets closer and kind of reaches out? Or like they get pulled in or something? That sounds familiar, yeah. Yeah, Or I don't know if they're looking at newspaper clippings or, or what.
0: I thought that was I, kind of
1: mirrored in like what Ben was doing in the library.
0: Like when the picture was getting closer and closer.
1: No, but... It is mirrored in one of the other scenes, and I didn't make this connection because I think in the miniseries they actually show that scene. I think they're flipping through a book and they, it like attacks them. Maybe that's what I remember from then. Maybe, but in I, I definitely know it's in the books. I remember I remember that scene was like yeah. really really cool. The, do you know the projector scene when they're in the garage? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like supposed to mirror that moment. It was sort of like an updated. Yeah, current, yeah, yeah. Um, that's awesome. Oh, and it which, comes out. You're right. Okay, exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And I, once I like connected it, I was like, Oh my God, that's, that's, you're, you're right. That's so cool. Like what a great, and it also tied in because they were projecting the map onto like the sewer map onto the map of Derry. So it just like, it all worked out. It was just I like a
0: modern take on that. Yeah, yeah. It's
1: such a creative solution for that. Uh, Stephen King saw a screening of the film, and the one comment he had about the movie was, quote, I don't know if Bev's dad is alive or dead. So Andy made it very clear that he was still alive by adding like grunting and moaning sounds when Bill came to find Bev and found him in the bathroom when he got hit by the toilet thing. So I think that's a very good sign that maybe he'll still be alive in some way for Chapter 2. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Bev waking up from... The sewer with blood dripping on her was supposed to mirror Bill's drawing of her in the bed. When, yeah, yeah, yeah. With yeah, a colored pencil and the, the water drops. And maybe this is obvious. This is my last point. It might be obvious to others, but this was something that I never really connected. But Bill's mission in the movie was to find Georgie. Like I think his the, the whole time he was still grasping onto this hope and belief that Georgie was still alive and I think maybe because I read the book and I know the story so well that I just the whole movie just assumed like he's dead so I didn't really pay much attention to to Bill's story but that's very much Bill's motivation through the whole movie is absolutely just like really finding out like or really searching for Georgie and it didn't it didn't really sink into me until he was explaining how, until Andy was explaining how the conversation between Bill and Pennywise as Georgie, like when they have that heart to heart moment in the end, when Pennywise is as Georgie and he's like, I want to go home. I want to go home. It was sort of a way for Bill to have closure, like that closure that he was searching for the whole movie. This sort of like, I need to say goodbye to my little brother. And I think him pulling the trigger and, putting that bolt into his head was his way of maybe like saying goodbye to this idea that his, his little brother, he's never going to see him again. And I just thought that that was really touching. I think the end kind of has a new meaning for me now. Yeah. Um. And I think, I think him getting
0: the, the it versus you call boats. She thing wrong yeah, was like yeah. kind of driving that point home in Bill's head that like, exactly. okay, this is not my brother. Like, right.
1: Right. Right. But he was able to like, for lack of a better phrase, send him home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. kind of put an end to this, for lack of a better phrase, chapter. <laughs> like it's. But I'm also of... so glad he's in the second one because I freaking adore that actor. He is yeah. so cute. Jackson, Robert Scott. This made me fall in love with the movie all over again. And what a great ride. Can't wait for chapter two.
0: I told you that I had two questions that I wanted to ask you that we could end this on. But first, I just want to tell everybody about a specific a character actor who should be getting Maybe not like the same but like uh, amount of recognition, but like, you know, I feel like a lot of you probably know who Duck Jones is. Duck Jones does a lot of um, character work. He works with Guillermo del Toro and all the time. He's the monster in, or the creature in um, Shape of Water. He's Abe Sapien in the Hellboy movies. He's um, Billy in H- Hocus Pocus. I mean, he's a silver surfer in Fantastic Four. Like, he's done a ton of stuff and he's very often, you know, drenched in. And makeup, makeup, and he has a very cool physicality. But he also can act. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a there is an actor in this movie named Javier Botet.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think I'm
0: pronouncing that right. However, um, now this actor I feel like uh, uses their physicality a lot more. Doesn't really uh, have, at least not that I've seen, not had an opportunity to really like act. I don't know if they can act or not. However, some of the coolest physicality i've ever seen in this movie they play the hobo that attacks um like that the leper or whatever that attacks eddie in the conjuring 2 he plays the crooked man Mm -hmm. um he plays mama in mama which is where he knows andy muschietti from i'm just assuming that they identify as a he if they identify as a they i'm sorry um i just know that they've played um some ambiguously uh, gender roles um, they play the slender man and slender man like there's <laughs> but I so know many he's,
1: amazing they're unique because of their their fingers like is it is yeah. it a, an actual uh i don't want to say disease but like a uh, is he actually diagnosed with something or is that he's just very yes yeah, and... yeah yeah it's called
0: marfan syndrome gotcha gotcha um, it's like extremely long and fine fingers along with a tall thin build He's six foot six feet tall. He, um, the article that I read identifies him as a he, so we're gonna call him. We're gonna go with he. He's <laughs> cool. very tall and very skinny, only like a hundred and twenty ish pounds. Like. But, and they, they have extremely amazing character work in, in this and on in, in Mama. The thing I want to share with, with you all, our listeners, is the thing that I sent you last night, which is oh a, my God, it's, it's so not cool. really, doesn't really have anything to do with this particular movie, but it's uh, his Mama screen test. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, my biggest problem with Mama, which is Andy Musietti's last movie, was the fact that I thought Mama looked absolutely ridiculous uh, (laughs) and that it was like too CGI and it was very strange. And I honestly don't know why they bathed her in CGI because in the video that I will share a link to in our show notes, it it doesn't need it. It's the scariest thing. The physicality of this uh, this performer is just mind-blowing. It is so cool. Oh, and they're also in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Um, The Toe Monster. Oh
1: no! Uh, that makes sense. I saw that yeah. movie. I don't know how I feel about it, but that makes perfect sense. Wow, yeah, I, I, that's cool. I'm, I'm happy that um, yeah, the video that you sent me, work. You can tell it's they used like rope to hold him and pull him back, so he had this kind of like yeah. jerky motion as he was walking, and I think that's why I just want to see all of. Muschietti's future movies now because I want to see how that style evolves and is used because he definitely has a style he has that like Muschietti twitch um I'm just so excited for chapter two I'm just so thrilled definitely
0: definitely um and to wrap this up I just have two questions for you they're kind of indicative of part one and part two of this story so when you were a young kid and if Pennywise was terrorizing you when you were a child, what would he have used? What would he have transformed into?
1: So this was so difficult for me because I can't... Like, there are so many things that scared me a little bit, but I feel like there's such foreign references, kind of like Musietti's painting. I feel like everyone has that one thing that has always, like, creeped them out, but I, I can't think of one that would be, like, relatable to anyone else. But I do know that like getting lost was very scary and being like in tight spaces was very scary. So if he were to turn into like a crowd of people and just surround me and like crush me, that would be very scary to me as a kid.
0: Really? really. Yeah. Is
1: that that's, an acceptable answer? No, before? absolutely.
0: That's fascinating. That's in, It's interesting. I just figured um, we could talk about our fears when I was, when I was little and I, honestly to this day, like I'm not, super great with it, but obviously I'm, I'm able to deal with it a lot better than I was when I was a kid. Uh, I was terrified of the dark. I just did not like, Mm. um, I slept with my light on very often. Um, and yeah, it just, it would have, you know, Pennywise could uh, essentially, I'd be pretty easy um, because he could just, turn the lights off and I would be, (laughs) I would be a mess. Yeah. I mean, I like, you know, my, my dad always be like, you're closing your eyes. Why do you have to have the lights on? It's dark inside your eyes anyway. But I'm like, uh, I can't be in the dark. I would always sleep when the lights on when I was little. Hmm. Uh, and then my second question is what would
1: Pennywise use to scare you now as an adult? So, in typical Jordan fashion, I have several answers to this. Uh, there's one sort of honorable mention, and it's the uh, the chestburster aliens. Like, if he turned into that egg, that like opens, like the four little flaps open up, yeah. I'd probably shoot myself right then and there. I was like, I don't want to, like, I'd be like, I don't want to deal with this. I, this is too much already. You know my life. I don't, that makes me so uncomfortable. <laughs> I hate, that is like one of my biggest fears is, is like being a host for like a parasite. Like I would legitimately rather so like die. even like a
0: tapeworm or.
1: Yep, nope, don't, we, yep, we don't even have to gotcha. go into it. I just really just don't like it. But <laughs> I think something even scarier, and I don't know if this is because I'm on like a virus kick right now, But just hearing about these literal invisible uh, microbes that travel through the air and then infect you and pretty much give you a death sentence. I am reading The Stand right now and (laughs) it's finally spreading. It's doing its, he calls it a chain, chain mail, like chain letter kind of thing, where you pass it on to one person and they have to pass it to five people and that kind of thing. And he's, describing the web and the path that this virus takes. And I feel like I can identify with Eddie and I just think the leper is very scary. Like send me someone with Ebola or some other like smallpox. Yeah. If he turned into, into a victim of smallpox or Ebola, I would be very uncomfortable. I would not like that at all. So I gotcha. Um, Can I guess yours? Yes. You can absolutely guess. Is it a, Is it a rock coach? What is a rock coach? Flip it.
0: A rock coach. Oh, a C word? Yeah. Okay, so like, yeah, and I think that's probably one of my more tangible um, fears. It's not the thing I picked.
1: That's what's difficult about this. Like, if you were to, if I, like, I can't say heights. I that was very afraid of heights as a kid. I can't yeah. say like claustrophobia. Well, yeah, so I mean I think something I think tangible um, is different.
0: I think uh you wise could put you up somewhere high if you wanted to.
1: Maybe. Maybe. I,
0: I the know. fact is like in in this movie, this first movie, there are a lot of different kinds of fears that he's able to. You know what I mean? Some people are afraid of a painting, but then like, you know, Mike's afraid of the fact that his parents died in a fire. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like that memory and mm-hmm. so
1: so then, what did you pick as as your
0: adult one? Okay, okay. so, like I said, you know, I, I like a lot of my fears are existential and like, um, <laughs> oh yeah, anxiety yeah. ridden and all that stuff. I think the one though that that Pennywise would probably target is I have a fear of like solidarity, like literally everybody that I know like vanishing or leaving or bailing out of my life you know what i mean and and mm-hmm. just being alone so i think it would be very easy for me to wake up i have nightmares where i will wake up and there which i just can't find anyone yeah. like i can't reach anybody on a phone i'm just walking around in the streets and i nobody's around you know what i mean and like i think that is just to be like the last person on earth or you know in your in your life or whatever that that would be absolutely horrific so maybe (laughs) maybe i'm the one that he keeps to the very end after all my
1: friends are dead (laughs) maybe yeah yeah well that was fun are you ready for it chapter two i'm so ready i don't think i've ever been more ready for a movie yeah
0: more excited about a movie so when this debuts to the public um it'll be less than a week yeah before we get to see it Mm -hmm. so yeah very excited Uh, I hope you all are excited as well, and we'll try to let you know our thoughts on the actual, the sequel in
1: one way or another soon. Facebook or Instagram, we'll, we'll post something.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Uh, Before we leave, I did want to do one last plug. We brought this up uh, last episode on our adaptations story, but Sarah over at the Circle Opens podcast does a great job of going through the stand chapter by chapter each week. It's a really awesome podcast. If you enjoy Stephen King and want to stay motivated to read, highly recommend her podcast. She's great. She's fun. She's awesome. If you wanted to listen to more episodes, feel free to visit us at www. You are literally <laughs> stepping. on I'm doing the outro this week, and he's stepping on my lines. Oh, I'm fi- no, take that out. Take that out. <laughs> no, I'll leave it in. I just think it's funny. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that it was. Um, because we don't have we don't have outros for quick takes. So I was like, okay, we we got to get it done before the outro. So, my bad. It's okay. can just just know me. your fucking role. No, no, no. We can end it before this, please. (laughs) No, I'm going to end it right now. No.
0: Hey, losers. We both just want to thank you so much for listening to episode 19 of Take 3, a movie podcast. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. It was produced and edited by Nick Crawford and Jordan Sato. If you want to listen to more delicious content, I have a new approach for you. You can totally just Google Take 3 three a m p that's the number three and our website and like all of our social media just pops up honestly this stuff should already be in your bookmarks by now but anyway we will be back next week with our first patreon quick take which is amazing you will not want to miss it you can join at patreon.com slash take three the number three a m p and i'm sure the music is over now and i've forgotten half of the stuff i'm supposed to say so until next week Take it easy. Get it? Like take, like take three. I was trying something new. It didn't work.